Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. We're going to talk today about the film, full infilling of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that the Bible says is that when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke the word of God with boldness. One of the things the devil is trying to do, and the devil isn't necessarily somebody in a red suit. The devil's trying to do is intimidate you and I to be quiet. The uh, last week I was asked to speak to uh, a group of Christian business people on Zoom. There were 38 nations that came on uh, all through Europe and Asia and America, but mostly Europe and Asia. And one of the questions they asked is, Pastor Larry, how do we answer people that are saying that Israel is evil and Hamas and those who are shooting rockets in Israel, over 4,000, I think now over 6,000 rockets, they're the good guys. And what the media shows is that something like 148 Palestinians died and 28 Israelis died. So showing that 148 Palestinians died then they must be the good guys because less Israelis died. Well, let me talk about that on Memorial Day. At the end of World War II, far more Nazis died than American soldiers died. Does that mean the American soldier is the bad guy and the Nazi regime is the good guy? I say no that the American soldier are the heroes that stood up and defeated the enemy of America and the rest of the world. You're not the bad guy. I don't care what they say. You are not the bad guy. And in this church, we will never stop honoring the U.S. military, male and female, and especially those who gave their lives to make this nation free. The Bible says, beware of the strategies of the devil. Do you know that this current president is the only president in history, in the history of this country, on National Prayer Day, prayed without mentioning God? There's a strategy involved with that. And I want you to know that on this day that we honor God, families and people. Families had sons and daughters and fathers and mothers go overseas to protect us. So we have the right to gather together and pray as one nation under God. And that God is not Allah. That God is not any other God. That God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jesus Christ is our Lord. And I don't care what they say. In this church, we will forever say thank you to you. You are our heroes. I don't care what they say. I know what you... I'm supposed to be preaching on the... I was in the back and I said, we got to change the subject. I got to go out and preach on the love of God. 
But I want to say from our hearts to all of you and all of you, and not only military here in America, but around the world that stood to make a world free and defeat an evil empire, we want to say to you, thank you. And you will never, ever, ever be forgotten. Tell your children about the heroes of the world. Amen. Give them a clap offering one more time. All right, now to the love of God. (laughs) I want to ask you to open your Bibles up this morning to the book of Acts, chapter 1. And I want to talk to you today about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We know that last week was the day of Pentecost. And I, I, I just feel so, so strong in my spirit that if we have ever needed a refreshing of the presence of the Holy Spirit, we need it right now, not only in the world, but we need it in the church. You know, I've told this story before, and it's, it's obviously a cute little story, but it's the story of, of a little boy, and he's kind of ragged and dirty, and he's sitting on the steps of in front of this great cathedral, this great church. And he's sitting on the steps and tears are running down his dirty little face. All of a sudden, Jesus walks up and says, son, why are you crying? And the little boy said, I tried to go in and they wouldn't let me in. And all of a sudden, Jesus sits down next to him and Jesus begins to weep. And the little boy, dirty, ragged, no shoes, said, Lord, why are you crying? He said, I tried to get in too. They wouldn't let me in. And I think, even though that's a cute little story, I think that is more true about the Holy Spirit than it's ever been before. Now, when I started thinking about it, and the Lord leading me on teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit... I thought we could go on with the teaching, and, and we probably should somewhere along the line, for literally months about what the Bible says on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Think about this in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, when God is talking about the gifts of the Spirit. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. And then he goes on to say, therefore, there are different gifts, but the same spirit. There's the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the gift of faith, gifts of healing. Now, I I wish I had time to teach that. He's talking about the gift of faith, the gift of the word of knowledge, the gift of the word of wisdom. But when he comes into healing, he said the gifts of healing. Some may have the gift of praying for people with cancer. Some may have the gift of praying for somebody with diabetes. Somebody else may have the gift for some other kind of illness. But the Bible says that there are gifts of healing, gifts of prophecy, gifts of discernment of spirit, diverse kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit all. I think about a story my pastor told me when I first got saved. And he, he was a young convert. And 
Before church, they had prayer meetings. We always had prayer meetings in the back room before we came out to church. And he was a young convert, just gotten saved, been in a rock and roll band. And he said he was praying and he was praying in tongues. And all of a sudden, his tongues changed. And he didn't know what this was. He didn't know what it was. And then he came out in the service. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God came on him at the end of the service. And he began to speak in this different kind of tongue. He began to speak in a, in a spiritual language that he'd never done before. And all of a sudden, these three women began to weep and howl and came at the altar and fell on their knees. And they were Navajo, young Navajo girls. And they said later that when this white guy began to speak fluent Navajo and reveal the presence of God that had been in their lives, they knew that God was coming for them. When God, when God was reaching out to them, when God gives the gift of word of knowledge or word of wisdom, can you imagine what is happening to someone when you're able to say, thus saith the Lord in this area, in that area, you don't know anything, but God knows and God reaches out and touches them in a way that nothing else could happen except that God is speaking to them about their lives. The spirit is to profit all. Last Wednesday, I did uh, a couple television shows on Zoom for Jim Baker and, uh, and Lori Baker. And when we first came on, they reminded me about a month and a half ago that I was, had been doing uh, their television program and Jim had had a stroke. I don't know if you knew that, but Jim had had a stroke. And in the program, God gave me a word of knowledge, a prophetic word for Jim. And I said, you're going to come out of this. You're going to be good. And we went on. They played it while we were doing the program. I didn't know that that day they had told Lori, Jim Baker's wife, they didn't know if Jim was going to live. That he had lost his ability to think. He had lost his ability to speak. But God gave us a word of wisdom or a prophetic word. And they took it home and played it to Jim. They had, I, I'm glad I didn't know. Because if they had told me they, they, they've given him less than a 50% chance to win. I may have been too afraid to give this word. But the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes not to honor the one who has given the gift, but the gift to profit us and speak to us in ways that we can't even understand. How we could teach on the gifts of the Spirit and how we need those gifts in our lives right now. You think about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Listen to Galatians 5. 22. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Now, the Bible says that we are earthen vessels, and being an earthen vessel, we are leaky vessels, and we need that presence of the Holy Spirit or let me ask you something. As you get up this morning, are you a person who is full of love? Are you a person who's full of joy? Are you a person who brings peace wherever you go? Are you a person that is long-suffering, 
to others as Christ is long-suffering to you? Are you a person that is gentle and kind and does acts of goodness wherever you go? Well, in the natural, no, you're not, and neither am I. But with the help of God and the presence of God, we can fulfill where Jesus said, wherever you go, tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. My friend, I don't know about you, but I need the Holy Spirit to make me a kind person and a gentle person. I need a Holy Spirit to make me a person that will do acts of kindness. You know, we told Israel, we'll give them a million dollars. Last year, I think we gave a million and a half dollars. It's easy to say it. <laughs> oh, come on, come on. It's easy. Oh, I feel God. Yeah, we're going to do over a million dollars. I feel it. Then you go to write that check. You need the Holy Spirit. Oh, don't look at me like that. Oh, no, if I had a million dollars, I would do that. Well, why don't you do it where you're at? That's the reason that it's called, <laughs> it's called the fruit of the Spirit. You know, you think about it, you know, if, if I don't have gentleness or self-control or peace or love or joy or acts of kindness, maybe I've leaked out a little bit and I need to be refilled with the Spirit of God so that when people see us, they see Jesus. We could go on and on of all the reasons why the Holy Spirit is needed in our lives. Why we need it right now. We, I was thinking about we could go on and teach on uh, the different levels of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible says no man calls Jesus Lord except the Spirit draws him. So a lot of people think, well, the moment you receive Jesus... You have everything you need of the Holy Spirit. But then you look in Acts and Paul says, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? So there's one level of the Holy Spirit draws you. You don't just come to Jesus anytime you want. The Holy Spirit draws you. And let me just throw this in. So if you're feeling like, man, I need to get back to serving God. I need to, you need to respond now because you can't put that off till tomorrow because we don't know that the Holy Spirit would be drawing us. But once we know Jesus, what did the apostle say? He said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Since you believed? And what the man says it, I never even heard of the Holy Spirit. So in other words, there is a, another experience or another level of the infilling and the power of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I looked at these and I wrote, man, we could teach on this for months, couldn't we? I mean, you could teach for, for a month or two on the gifts of the Spirit. You could teach a month or two on the fruit of the Spirit. You could teach a month or two on the experience of the Holy Spirit. But I thought, just for this Sunday, what's the best way to approach this? And I thought, the best way is, what did Jesus say concerning the Holy Spirit? Read with me in the book of Acts, chapter 1, starting with verse 4. The Bible says, "...and being assembled together with them..." He commanded them, do not depart from Jerusalem. He commanded them. So this is not take it or leave it. This, look at me a second. 
This is not, well, it's not my personality. This is not the way I was raised. He's talking to people who have just spent every moment of every day with him personally for three and a half years, and he commands them, do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. I already told you about this. For John truly baptizes with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, hold your place there. I want you to think about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, there's a lot of different ways that people apply water baptism. You know, some sprinkle, some put it on the forehead. But to be baptized literally means totally emerged from, you know, without, we, we, do, we do around here a lot, we do what's called the tis baptism. <laughs> that you ladies can go down to your neck and not get your dew done. Because tis, tis will die for Jesus, but don't touch the dew. But really, to be baptized means total submersion, right? So to be baptized in the Holy Spirit is not a sprinkling. It's not a little drop on your forehead. It means to be totally submerged, totally covered. Think about this in the Spirit of God. Totally covered in the Spirit of God. Look at what it says. For John truly baptizes with water, but you shall be baptized totally covered with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? I love this because the first church is no different than the second church. Don't you leave until you're totally covered With the Holy Spirit of God. Okay, Lord, now when you come back, and Jesus wouldn't let them be distracted. Look what he says. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power. Listen to me. Not just the gathering not just sing kumbaya, but you shall receive power when, say when, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be a witness unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now you've got to understand that Jesus has just risen from the dead. They have crucified him. They have beaten him. They have arrested him. Jesus was betrayed by Judas. All this scenario, and then he raises again from the dead. This is not, well, if you're not filled with the power of God, they may laugh at you at school when you pray, or somebody may call you a Jesus freak. This is life and death. And I'm telling you something, the closer we get to the end, 
the more it's going to be like it was at the beginning. It's not a coincidence that there is, there is violent persecution against Jews and Christians around the world and to the point that many times in our government, they're not doing anything. So we need to understand that we need divine protection. We need divine power. We need divine presence of God in our lives because when we understand that we battle not with flesh and blood, but we do battle with principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in high places, then we understand that the weapons of our warfare do not come from this world, but they come from God. And this is why Jesus commanded them, don't leave until you receive the Holy Spirit. Look what he says in Luke chapter four. And I want to explain this to you. In Luke chapter 4, I won't turn there, they're in a synagogue in a place of worship and a demon spirit begins to speak out. Jesus looks at this man, but not at the man, at the spirit. Now, let me say again, remember, we battle not with flesh and blood, but we do battle with spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. Your home being attacked, spiritual warfare. Your body being attacked, spiritual warfare. Our nation being attacked, spiritual warfare. Jesus shows us something very important here. They're in a place of worship. This man speaks out or a demon spirit speaks out through this man. And Jesus says, be quiet and come out of him. Now, we think about this and we think, well, that kind of spiritual warfare is not for us today. I want want you to think about the battles that you go through. Jesus said, in my name, you shall cast out devils, you shall lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Right? I may have told you this story. I don't know if I did. But one time we were down in Mexico. And I want you to think about spiritual warfare. Your finances are being attacked. Your business is being attacked. Your marriage is being attacked. Your children is being attacked. Um, um, our universities with this liberal teachings are being attacked. Our nation is being attacked. I want you to think about it as spiritual warfare. We were down in Mexico one time and there was, uh, we were way down in Mexico, one of our churches, and they brought this man into us. This young man had been a pastor. He'd backslid very severely and, and had gotten into some very, very, very bad stuff. Now, this young man didn't speak a word of English. And there were several of us pastors there. We were doing a pastor's conference. And they asked us to pray for him. And as we began to pray, there were five or six, seven pastors there from America, plus the Mexican pastors. And as we began to pray, all of a sudden, this man opened his eyes and spoke perfect English. He said, I know who you are. And named the church and the city pastor. I know who you are. I know who you are. Perfect English. Knew where every one of the churches were, where they pastored the name of their church. What are you going to do on that? Well, I like the scripture 
where this man was attacked by a spirit and these religious people said, we command you to leave him in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. And what did the spirit say? Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And I kind of think that's the way it is in the church world today. That we're praying over our family. We're praying over our children. We're praying over our bodies. We're praying over our health. We're praying over our nation. And the devil says, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who the heck are you? And we need to be people who are totally emerged in the presence and the power of our living God. Can I have an amen? Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Listen to what he said. He said, in my name you shall cast out devils. Now, I wish I had more time to break this down in detail. In my name you shall cast out devils, you shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Can I get you to see this a little different? When we hear about casting out devils, we think about that guy speaking. We think about the stories in the Bible. But I want you to understand this. When your marriage is being attacked, that is the devil. When Tiz and Lion got incurable cancer, we didn't just pray for healing. We prayed and said, in the name of Jesus, Satan, I bind you. I rebuke this demonic spirit of cancer. Listen to me. Maybe, maybe we would see more healings if we understood casting out the devil and laying hands on the sick are synonymous. It's not just someone that's demon-possessed. When you're going through the devil's attack in your marriage, you need to understand whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. You need to rise up and say, devil, I bind you in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you from touching my home. I rebuke you. You get your hands off of my children. You get your hands off of my grandchildren. I'm not talking about some kind of little gimmick. I'm talking about authority and power, but we need to make sure that that devil doesn't talk back silently and say, Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, but who the heck are you? You need to be somebody that is baptized in the power of the living God. If the first church had to have it, how much more must the last church have it? Somebody ought to shout amen. The Bible says when Jesus did this, they were amazed for with authority and power, he commanded unclean spirits and they left. I want to emphasize this again. When Lion and Tiz got sick, we bound the devil. We didn't say, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, please heal line. No, we rose up because Jesus said, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. 
And we've got to understand there is a reason for this. We are in spiritual warfare. Every day, Satan gets up and decides what kind of warfare he's going to bring. You better get up and get refilled with the power of the Holy Spirit because you can't beat him by yourself. But greater is he that's in you than anything that's in this world. We need a refreshing of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our homes, in our churches, in our countries. We need the power of God and we need it right now. Somebody say amen. They were amazed. They were amazed. Let me me tell you something. Since what's happened, the Bible says what Satan's meant for evil, we understand that all things work together for good. We understand that. But since Lion went through what he went through and Tiz went through what he went you would not believe the different kind of people that get a hold of us for prayer. You would not believe the kind of people that may not understand, but they want what we've got. You know, there was a time, I, I probably told you this story, but a good friend of ours, I don't know if you, he's not out there as much anymore, but John Maxwell. And John Maxwell speaks at Fortune 500 companies and just a wonderful, wonderful Christian leader. And he speaks on motivation stuff. He was a big leader in um, uh, Promise Keepers. And back when we were pastoring in Portland, we were out playing basketball And one day, uh, my secretary comes and says, John Maxwell's on the phone. Now, John Maxwell is a Nazarene, and we're Pentecostal, so it's not like we go to the same conferences. So I thought, well, this is unusual, and John Maxwell is just a, a tremendous, tremendous leader in the kingdom of God. And so I get on the phone, and I said, uh... Dr. Maxwell, man, good to hear from me. He said, Larry, I've been following your ministry for years, and my wife and I would like to meet you and Tiz. We, we have some questions for you. And I said, great. And so I said, where do you, and when can we meet? And back then, you know, we were living in bright, sunny Oregon, <laughs> where it rained 364 and a half days a year. And John was living and his wife were living in San Diego. And so being the servant that I am, we decided to go to San Diego and meet with them. And so John, if you don't know John, John is a brilliant, brilliant leader. I mean, this guy is a brilliant leader. Um, he picks us up, but he's a very funny guy too. And uh, we go out to dinner, he and his wife and Tiz and I. And he says, hey, uh, he said, I was reading the other day, how many Pentecostals, how many charismatics does it take to change a light bulb? And I said, you know, I don't know. And he goes, uh, 10, one to hold the bulb and nine to bind the darkness. And I said, well, this is going to be one of these kind. Yeah, I said, well. John, I said, it's amazing because I was just reading the Bible and I didn't realize until today that Nazarenes get raptured first. And he goes, how so? And I said, the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first. (laughs) See, don't trade with the... I'm too quick. I'm way too quick. So we were there and John said, we were talking, you know, and finally John said, listen, Larry, 
the reason why I wanted to meet with you is because we followed your ministry. And he said, we've never seen so many drug addicts and alcoholics and people with deep problems not only get saved, but delivered. He said, how do you do it? I said, do you really want to know how we do it? And he said, absolutely. And I said, we bind the darkness. And he said, explain that to me. And so I gave him my testimony about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, I I got saved. I got saved. You know the story. I got gloriously saved. You know, came down, don't don't remember getting out of my seat, came to the altar and prayed. But when I left and I prayed and I said, gee, nobody prayed with me. Had long hair and earrings and everything. all All the little church people. And became my church, but... You know, they, they'd pray, oh, God, oh, God, bring in sinners. Not like that. We had no shoes on, no shirt, a big poncho. I, got, I said, God, if you're real, be real to me. And I, I, man, man, I began to weep and cry. I didn't even know what happened. And the pastor came up and said, God really touched you. And I said, somebody did. We went back to our seats. Nobody would talk to us. Nobody would say hi. Nobody would welcome us. Friendly church, huh? Because man looks on the outside, but God looks on the inside. Amen? And, I mean, I got saved. I said, God, if you're real, be real. Man, I felt a million pounds of love. But I went out that night and did drugs. Now, people say, well, you weren't saved. I was saved. I'm saved by grace, not by works. Now, if I was still doing drugs, there'd be a problem. Well, I'm going over to the... I'm going over the Democrat side over here. <laughs> forgive me, forgive me. I, 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 I shouldn't swear in church. I'm sorry. But a few weeks later, my friends got me back. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Didn't know what it was. Didn't want it. Came on me speaking in tongues. Came on me. And I've never done drugs since. Never done drunk since. It's Jesus who saves us, but it's the Holy Spirit that gives us power. Say power. Do you understand? That's why, that's why the devil doesn't want you to have it. Or that's why the devil has removed it from the church. The devil doesn't want us meeting. We found that out during COVID. You can go to Vegas and gamble, but you can't meet in church. And if you come to church, you can't sing. Why? Because God inhabits the praises of his. Do you understand? So the devil doesn't care so much that we meet. He just doesn't want us to meet with power. Because it's power. It's the power of God that changes lives, changes homes, heals the sick, raises the dead, cast out devils. It is the power of the living God. As you read in the book of Acts, the last thing Jesus says, don't I command you. I command you. Don't leave until you have the Holy Spirit. For God, my Father, will send. And I've told you about this. Remember when Jesus was meeting with the disciples? Imagine the disciples with Jesus, and they're seeing blind eyes open. They're seeing gold coins come out of fish's mouth. They're seeing funerals stopped and the dead resurrected. And all of a sudden, Jesus said, listen, I've got to go. 
It would be like, no, you can't go. He goes, listen what Jesus said. Listen to this. He said, it's better for you that I go. Because I will send another. If I don't go, he can't come. Not it. He can't come. Because as long as I am here, Jesus said, wherever I am, there's the power of God. If I'm at Galilee, the power of God's at Galilee. If I'm at Nazareth, the power of God's at Nazareth. But I will send another, and he won't be with you. He will be in you. No, no, in you. In you. And wherever you go, think about that. One will send a thousand. Two will send ten thousand. What if all the church was refilled and we begin to welcome in the Holy Spirit. I can remember when I first got saved, we would sing that song, Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place. And we knew, we knew we, we needed the Holy Spirit to be in church, to touch us, to change our lives. But you know, when John Maxwell said to me, how do you do that? And I said, we bind the darkness. He said, explain that to me. And so I began to explain my story that I got saved, but when I got the Holy Spirit. And you know what he said to me? And I believe this is why the Holy Spirit has taken, a, in a lot of ways, a temporary hiatus from the church world. As John Maxwell said, we want that. We just don't want the carnival act that seems to go with it. Now, God had been speaking to me about that. And this is what I want to, I want to share with you. I, I, I'm supposed to only have three more minutes, but I lie every Sunday. I lie every Sunday. <laughs> I can remember, and listen, I'm not, this is nobody's fault. There was a time in the church that the power of God was so strong everywhere that people were being slain in the spirit and fall. But then it didn't become about the power of God. It became about how many bodies we could pile up. It became about the show instead of the presence of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I'm a, I, we, I, we all did it. You know, if we were doing a telethon, we're, you know, man, we, you know, you know, I mean, I, I can remember one time in Portland, we had a very famous preacher there, and he called Pastor Scott up, and he laid hands on him. Scott didn't go down. So he's almost... <clears throat> I like what Creflo Dower said one time. I don't mind people going down, but when you get up, something ought to have happened. But it became about the carnival act. And I believe that's why the visitor friendly came in. Now, listen to what I'm saying. Well, we want to be visitor friendly. Tiz and I were somewhere one time and we walked into it. We're in a, a, a big hotel. We walked into a coffee house and these ladies, they're probably in their 60s, 70s, came up and said, we love your ministry. And they said, would you pray for our church? And they said, our church is exploding in growth. But at what cost? We're not allowed to lift our hands. We're not allowed to speak in tongues. We're not allowed to pray in the spirit. And I understand. I understand where that came from is, man, 
it, it, it's getting ridiculous that the outside world's going, come on. So we went visitor friendly. And I understand that. But listen to what I'm saying. And we all did this. But listen to what I'm saying. If we need to be friendly towards anyone, we need to be friendly towards the Holy Spirit. Because it doesn't matter how many visitors we get in. If God's not in the service or if God's not with us, then it's just a large gathering instead of a gathering in the house of God where God will confirm his word with signs and wonders and miracles. Can anybody say amen? John Maxwell, after this, said, listen, I'm having a meeting uh, of... 30 of the largest churches in America. This was many, many years ago. And he said, I'd like to invite you and Tiz to come. And so we went, and it's all the big churches. I mean the big churches. But they're all the non-charismatic side. And so we're sitting there, and John comes on. There's 30, 30 men or 30, 30 or something like that, men and, and 30 women. And we're sitting in the back because, you know, we... These are like the, the stars. And uh, John says, you know, before I teach, we have someone in the room that we need to hear what they have to say. I go, Tiz, give me some paper. He goes, Pastor Larry, would you and Tiz come up? He goes, I want you to talk to us about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit crowd. J- Jimmy Beck, you know what I'm talking about? It's not the baptism of the Holy Spirit crowd. But we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Well, that day after the, the meeting, we all went out. And we were playing golf. And I'm, it was John Maxwell and Bill Hybels from Willow Creek. And it was me and another gentleman. They called him Mr. Sunday School. I think he's written something like uh, 33 books or something. And so we're on the green. And my partner has like a 60-foot putt. And I thought, you know, I just be, just to be funny, I went over to his golf ball and I went, Lord, guide this thing. Lord, lead it and guide it. You know, I'm just joking. He puts it 60 foot and he makes it. <laughs> but the amazing thing is he looked at me. Now, this is a guy who's a leader in the non-charismatic circle is a very brilliant, brilliant scholar. And he looks at me and says these words, Pastor Larry, can I tell you something? We've always known that works. We just don't want the carnival act that goes along with it. And that's when God spoke to me and he said, there's a time coming. There's a time coming that when the Holy Spirit is poured out, And God confirms the word we're preaching. What does it mean, confirm the word we're preaching? When we preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, there'll be people go, I don't believe that. I don't don't believe in your religion. I don't believe in Judaism. I don't believe in Christianity. I don't believe it. But when their children get healed of cancer, when their sons and daughters get delivered of drugs, when a miracle happens in their home, their family, their finances, then they're going to know. What did he say? What did God say? He said, when this happens, I will confirm my word. There'll be prophecy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, signs and wonders. I'll raise up prophets and prophetesses. But we've got to understand that God is a jealous God. 
If God heals someone, we give him all the praise and all the glory. If God deliver, if God would give you a prophetic word and it's right on, don't be caught up in pride because God used jackasses before and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We need to, it's going to happen. Listen to me, church. It is going to happen. He said it would. The latter rain will be greater than the former. You look at what Jesus said, and he said, greater miracles than these shall you do. You look at the first church, and that's the early rain. The latter rain is going to be greater than that. And if there's ever been a time that we need God to confirm his word, listen to me, when drug addicts are being delivered, and racists are being delivered, and 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 sicknesses are being healed, they're not going to say, shut down that church. They're going to rally and say, we need the kingdom of God and the blood of Jesus as we have never needed it before. Now is the time. Somebody give the Lord praise and glory. Would you bring the scripture up? First Corinthians 14, 14 and 15. The Bible says that we're earthen vessels. Let me explain it to you as they're bringing this scripture up. That means that I was filled with the Holy Spirit. How many years have I been saved now? Almost 45 years I've been a Christian. I, I was filled with the Holy Spirit just 30 days or a few weeks after I got saved. But I'm an earthen vessel. I leak. And so I need to be refilled, look at me, and so do you. Every day. You get a car, you drive it off the lot, they give you a tank of gas. You don't live on that tank of gas for the next 20 years. Something that Tiz still hasn't learned when that thing is flashing. I'm always picking on Tiz. It means something needs to be refilled. Look at this scripture. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Verse 15. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit and I will also pray with the understanding. Let me, let me, let me stop. Can I have five more minutes? Because, I mean, we're going through the Holy Spirit in one morning. Now, next Sunday, we're bringing uh, Jim... Um, that used to lead Benny Hen's praise and worship. And I've asked him to come in and talk to us about the music and the, the, the presence of bringing that in, because I believe the signs and the wonders and miracles are going to become a, 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 an everyday thing for us. And so I'm, he's going to be in here, but let me start you with this. He says, I pray in the understanding and I pray in the spirit. Let me make it real simple. You've got a problem. Lion has cancer. Tiz has cancer. Never had anybody cured of this kind of cancer before. I can pray in the understanding. Can I take a moment to explain how to do this? I can pray in the understanding. I can pray as by his stripes we are healed. Father, I bind the devil. I rebuke the spirit of infirmity. I rebuke this. I rebuke that. I loose it. I can pray. But you can pray all that in about... 60 seconds. 
But then you go, And the Bible says, Our spirit is making intercession with the Spirit of God on things we don't understand. No wonder the devil doesn't want you speaking in tongues. No wonder the devil says that's passed away with the apostles. When my Bible says it's for you and your children and your children's children and as many as are far off as called, this power is for you. You're praying for your marriage. There's only so many things you know. You're praying for your children. There's only so many things you know, but your spirit maketh intercession with the Spirit of God of things that your limited mind does not understand. This is one of the most important reasons. I probably prayed, when I'm praying for lion, when I was praying for tis, I prayed 99% of the time in tongues. Because I didn't know, I didn't understand. I know what the doctor said. I know what the statistics said. I know what the graph said. But I know that greater is he that's in me than anything that can come against me. And I would pray in the spirit. And I feel sorry for people who don't pray in the spirit. Well, Pastor Larry, I have the Holy Spirit and I don't feel like I need to pray in tongues. Fine. Don't. But when you come down to a battle and you don't have the answer, I pray to God that you understand your spirit and his spirit are making intercession with each other on things that are way beyond anything we know. The doctors told Luke and Jen, we needed to see this miracle. God put a gene in lion that is nowhere found in medical history. How did that happen? I don't know, but I do know this. Amen. Look at the next verse. Bring it up. Romans 8, 26. What is the conclusion then? No, Romans. Come on, guys. I'm talking about the blessing of God here. There we go. Likewise, the Spirit also maketh help in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care what degrees you have. I don't care how many, to- how many years you've been in the way. Get out of the way and let the power of God Think Jesus, why did Jesus say, you know what, guys? You know, if you got time, hang around with Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes, if, if you feel led. No, he commanded them. Look at me. How, how can we make it any more plain that if Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and Peter and James and Paul, if they needed the Holy Spirit who spent years with Jesus, not Paul, but the rest of them spent years with Jesus, how much more do you and I need it? One last verse. If those guys that were firing can get it up. (laughs) Psalms 134.2. Oh, okay. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Can you go to the next one? The Lord who made heaven and earth will bless you from Zion. 
What does that say? God says, when you come into my house, here's what I want you to do. I want you to lift up your hands and bless the Lord. Not me, I'm too macho. Not when they fire you. Not when you hear the doctor's report. Not when she said, I'm, I'm finished with this. You need to understand. It does, God didn't say, you know what? If, you're, if it's your personality, then when you come into my house. No, he said, when you come into my house, here's what I want you to do. You know, I, I had the privilege of several times during President Trump and tis with, with our governor to be invited to the White House. There are protocols. Doesn't matter who you are. There are protocols that you have to adhere to. Well, let me put it this way. If you want to get in. I mean, there were Christians, there were rabbis, there were male, there were female, there were politicians, there were preachers. And here is the rules to get into the wife. And you had to go through that or you didn't get in. Well, think about that. God inhabits the praises of his people. Well, I'm too cool to lift my hands up. Then you're too cool to be in the presence of God. Well, I'm too macho. Well, then you're too macho to be in the presence of God. I'll tell you what, when, 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 you know, I'm from the streets. I'm from, I'm from the streets. I'm from the hood. I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm pretty self do it yourself kind of guy. But when they said, when we walked in the lion room with Luke and Jen, and they said, it's a very form of leukemia, I almost fainted. And I've never felt like fainting before. I mean, I've had people pull guns on me. I've had people pull knives on me. And those were the police. <laughs> but I almost fainted. And the first thing I did is, let's pray. Because at that moment, my mind couldn't even function. I, I, I don't know if that makes me sound weak. But you know what? In my weakness, he's made strong. In my weakness, he's made strong. Right? God says, when you come into my house, listen to me, you're a leaky vessel. The Bible says, when the Holy Spirit came, it was on them like tongues of fire. And I thought, is the church flammable or is the church fireproof? We need the fire of God. You need the fire of God. The world needs the fire of God. And the Bible says, when you come into my house, I'm closing with this. When you come into my house, understand this. Lift up your hands. Try to come in, try to come in during the worship. The worship is not there so that it gives you time to park your car before the good stuff comes. Amen? Amen. Can, I, can I just, we're family, right? You miss 90% of the good stuff if you're not here for the praise and worship. Because God inhabits the praises of people. You, you enter into his court with praise and thanksgiving. 
The first thing in Judaism, the first thing they teach you before your feet hit the ground and you start your physical journey, before your feet get out of bed, you say, Modeani. Father, I give you praise. I give you glory. Say, what are you praising him for? You haven't even begun the day. You woke up. But understand this. There's a reason for this. God's ways are way above your ways. Well, I'm in a bad mood. I don't feel like praising him. That's when you need to praise him more. Well, I'm going through a battle. That's when you need to praise him more. Well, everything's going great. That's when you need to praise him more. Because you enter in to his court. He's about to make judgment on your day. He's about to release or not release the blessings for this day. So you enter in with hallelujah, hallelujah. And you enter in to all that a wonderful, mighty, victorious God has for you through praise and thanksgiving. You know, in Judaism, you know what the number one sin is in Judaism? I've told you this before. What is it? Taking God's goodness for granted. And we've lost that. I've, I've, when I first, I was going to close. I'll close, I'll close real quick. When I first got saved, I walked into church a drug addict. And I walked out a child of God. I wasn't worried about the police anymore. Well, I was worried about the police for seven years. But then the, somebody asked me the other day, are, are there still warrants out for your arrest? And I said, not, not for anything I know of. <laughs> but oh, man, I, I, and, and so a friend of mine took me to another church in town and they were real quiet. I, I thought all churches, when the pastor said something, I thought all churches went, amen. Because amen means so be it. God is a good God. We are more than conquerors. We give him all the praise and all the glory. So I thought that's the way everybody. And and so we went to this church and they had a a missionary there. And he he gets up and he goes, says something. I go, amen. And the whole church went. But I didn't even notice it. And so he says, they're not going, amen. Next thing I knew, he came off and he, and he walks. I'm sitting like back here and he went, he forgot everybody else. He just come back. He just preaching to me. And I went, amen. Me and him had revival. We had, we had a move of God. Of course, they, they later told me I need to be quiet in church. Let me close with this. Let me close with this. There is a... There is a term for the Holy Spirit in Hebrew. It's called Ruach HaKodesh. And one of the descriptions of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Shekinah glory, the presence of God, is the breath of God. That the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, is literally God breathing on us. Now, that's why I said, I'm looking at this, and I go, man, there's so much I could teach. Remember when Jesus breathed on them? That's, that, that was preparing them, but it was a temporary thing. We have, we have it all the time. But when we were in Portland, uh, I taught, in fact, I ought to teach it again here. I taught on the breath of God. In fact, I think I wrote a little book on it. I taught on the breath of God. Think about it. Well, I don't want the Holy Spirit. You don't want God breathing on you? And he breathed on them. And what was dead 
came alive. The breath of God. Just a few days ago, we got an email from a family that was in our church. As a matter of fact, Steve was one of our pastors. And he's now a pastor up in Portland. And while we're there, I, I taught on the breath of God and God. And what was dead came alive. The next week or a couple days after that message, Steve's wife went into labor. The baby was born, but the baby was born dead. We just got, do we have a picture that we can bring up? And she was dead, not breathing. That's her there. She was dead. She was dead and not breathing for nine minutes. And it was not good. And Steve remembered the breath of God. And he grabbed her and he said, God, put your breath in. And he grabbed his dead baby and went. And all of a sudden she goes. Now, here's the amazing thing. Here's the amazing thing is just a week or so ago, they sent us an email, and forgive me if I'm not saying exactly right. They ran into the nurse that was there. And the nurse later said, I wanted to approach this as delicately as I could. How is your daughter? And when they told her that she's graduated with honors, she's, uh, what's that? She's graduated with honors. She's going to the university. She's the head of her class. The, the nurse began to weep because she said, the reason I, I was, I said, oh, maybe I shouldn't ask that is because there's no way she shouldn't have had severe brain damage. No wonder God says, I command you. And can I say this? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is saying right now, I command you. Don't you leave without the Holy Spirit. Don't you leave without my power. Because the power of God, the dunamos of God, the strength of God, the fire of God, the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, the miracles of God all come about because of the Holy Spirit. Smith Wigglesworth, one of the greatest preachers. I think Smith Wigglesworth saw 32 or 33 people raised from the dead. And he says these words, when we are filled with the Holy Ghost, we go forth to see things accomplished that we could never see otherwise. Paul said, and after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. When they looked at the apostles, they didn't look at how big their Bible was or the size of the cross around their neck or the size of the steeple on their church. They looked at the apostles and they said, when they saw how bold they were, they knew They'd been with Jesus. It is time for us to become bold. 
lay hands on the sick, cast out devils, freely you have received. Now go into all the world and preach the gospel. Would you stand to your feet right now? And I want to ask you in the Holy Spirit to give God a great big clap offering and let him know we want the power of the Holy Spirit. This week we got a, and I don't usually do this, but this week we got, we get emails and things all the time from all of our stream viewers. There is a lady, and I won't say where you are, what your name is, because I, I wouldn't embarrass you, but sent us a beautiful email about our service. And when I read it, God spoke to me that you've been battling problems within your family. And God is about to breathe on your family and bring life and bring connection and tear down the wall that's been dividing your family. And God is about to release on your family the power of his resurrection. And it'll be a miracle that everyone in your family will give him all the praise and all the glory. Give the Lord a clap offering. Amen. Come up here. And I won't lay hands on everybody, but come up here. Uh, let, you guys, let, come lay hands. Lauren Lance, Derek, lay hands. I'm standing right there. When you were walking off the, when you were walking off from the first fruits, I turned and I was praying for everybody. But I turned and when I saw you, I saw a beam of light come on you. And God said, you have been a servant of mine. And now I am going to shine light on areas of your life that have been hard, that have been a struggle, that have you not complained. But I want you to know I've been watching and I'm about to shine the light of my power onto these areas of your life. What was dragging you down, what was weighing you down, the chains will be broken and you're going to walk in the blessing and in the joy and the provision and the fullness. And I will take you personally. Now that those chains have been broken, it's just been my timing. I'm going to take you to a whole nother level in your relationship with me. Your next is really going to be greater than the farmer. Father, I release this right now on my brother in Jesus' name. Somebody give the Lord a clap offering. Where is, um, where is Owen and Gwen? Where is Owen? Is Owen in here? And I saw him this morning. Uh, Gwen, come up here. Where's Owen? Is Owen still here? Come here. Come here, you guys. Listen, I, Owen and I have been together for how many years? 33 years. If any of you ever need, now he won't come to you. He's, he's, he's the quietest person. You could take him to our team winning the Super Bowl championship and Owen would go, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> he is the quietest man you'll ever meet, but he is a man of great, great, great faith incredible faith. And Gwen is the same way. Lift your hands up. Guys, come lay hands on them. God is calling you both to a measure of supernatural prayer that people will walk up to you, 
knowing that the, the gift of faith, there's many gifts of the Spirit, but God is releasing, you've been faithful, 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 but God is releasing on both of you in the power of prayer, a gift of faith. And God will gather others that want to be in the group that sees God answer prayer. If you want to be in this, you need to get with these guys. Start meeting with them. Start being around them. Because through your prayers, there are going to be miracles happen in lives and homes and families and the kingdom of God that is going to astonish. God is going to use you guys as an end time example of the power of prayer and the gift of faith. Father, I release this on them right now in every area of their lives, in Jesus' name. Somebody give the Lord a clap offering of praise. This couple here, you, you guys, I met with you last Sunday. Lift your hands up. Anybody around them, would you get near them and put your hands on them? Anybody around them, just come over there and lay hands on them. God is going to, there, there is an understanding of favor of God and favor of man. On your business, because you have been so hungry for the things of God, the knowledge of God, God spoke to the king and he said, what is it you would have of me? And the king said, give me knowledge, give me wisdom. And God said, because you asked for wisdom and knowledge, I will bless you beyond anything that anyone can imagine also in the area of finances because you guys hunger so deeply for the wisdom and the knowledge of God. God will not only give that to you, but he's going to bless your business in ways that is beyond anything you could imagine. Favor of God and favor of man. Oh, there it is right there is on you right now in Jesus name. Somebody give the Lord a clap offering and praise him. The Bible says, when you come into my house, lift up your hands, lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubt. Now, here's what I ask you to do. Can I have my singers out? You guys, spirit filled, spirit filled, get on, a, get on a mic, get on a mic, spirit filled, spirit filled. When, when we, when we first started going to church, we would have a time in the service in which we would go. We lift up our hands and we'd go, Can you do that in this key? Can you do this in Father, I give you praise. Lift up your hands and sing with me. On the mic, on the mic, spirit filled. Just wave your hands at the Lord, say, Remember me, O oh Lord, I give you praise and I give you glory. Father, we thank you for miracle healing. Keep praising him. Keep praising him. Father, we thank you for miracles of healing, O oh God. Father, 
Father, we thank you for divine deliverance. Oh, God, look, look at me a second. Look at me a second. We're going to do this more. I'm gonna, I'm, I, I'm, the Lord just spoke to me and said, you can't do this in one day. We leave, we leave the hospital with Lion. We leave the hospital with Tiz. We have statistics that have been planted. You cannot think something and say something different at the same time. So I can't be thinking about the statistics when I'm praising him for already healing them. Do you understand? Now, we still had hospitals. We still had tubes. We still had needles. We still had reports. We still had therapy. We still had chemo. We still had all these things that went along. But we would never allow that to override our praise. Now, it's not a gimmick. It's, it's not a gimmick. It's not, it's not a gimmick. I can't tell you how many hours. Can I be real honest with you? I, I would, I, I gathered my family together when Tiz was sick and Lion was still sick. And I said, listen, don't think I don't care. Don't think I don't care. I do my crying in the shower where nobody can see. But when I'm in, in the presence of you and the family, and I'm getting up and when I'm saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I'm taking authority and I'm buying and I'm losing. You understand? It's, it's spiritual warfare. Whether it's your, maybe it's your children. And you see them the way they are. Don't see them the way they are. Thank you, Lord. Me and my family will be saved, oh God. Father, I give you glory for reaching my children, my grandchildren. Amen. You know, why did God say do this? Surrender. It's surrender. We are surrendering to the power of God. Let me throw this in. Don't ever pray if it be your will. Don't ever pray if it be your will. You enter in. You enter in. You en- it's already there. It's, al- it's already there. The open door is praise and glory and honor. Do you understand what I'm talking about? So when the worship team comes to lead you in worship, they're not the entertainment team. They're not the kill the time to get your kids in nursery team. They are the worship team. And the worship prepare. Can I tell you that? The wor- worship prepares you. And when you're prepared, it frees me. I remember saying to my pastor years and years ago, I said, Pastor, I don't understand what's wrong. I go to one church and man, the anointing falls. I go to another church and it's same message, same, same teaching, but it's like falls to the ground. I said, what's wrong with me? He said, it's not you, it's the people. 
the people haven't prepared themselves. So I want to encourage you to come. I'm just glad you come. But I want to encourage you, for your sake, to come. And when you're ready, when you're ready, I believe there's going to be times that I won't even have to say a word. There's just going to be the power of God. There's going to be the ministry. There's going to be signs and wonders that we won't even have to say anything. God will show up. And I understand if people come in and they go, I've never seen this before. That's the way I was. I had never, I'd never been to church. Well, I think when I was three or something. but, But you know what? Here's what I said. I'm looking at those people and they're lifting their hands. And, and, and I go, oh, I hate this. I hated it because I didn't understand it, but I couldn't deny the presence of God. And so I did one of these. God, is this really you? I did. My second time in, in church. And all of a sudden I feel somebody grab my finger and I go, and it's the evangelist. And he's all combed and coiffed and shiny shoes and everything. And he says, come up here, son. And, I'm, and my friends are with me going, no, no, no. This is not good. This is not good. And he comes up and he, in front of everybody. And, and I'm, he goes, you were just talking to God. And I thought, man, he probably saw my lips moving. He goes, you want everything God has to offer, don't you? And I said, this is what I said to him. Yeah, if it doesn't come from you. I wasn't real churchy. See, I'm much more like a reverend now. And he said, receive it. And the power of the Holy Spirit. Next day I got up. And I went to roll a joint. How many know what a joint is? See, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Some of you did that little pet. Like, Are the police watching? And you know what? I got up, and here's what I said. I, like I said, I, wasn't, I didn't know church lingo. I started to roll, roll a joint, which I did every day. First thing in the morning. Start off with drugs. For years and years and years. And I started to roll that, and then I go, and one of the folks I was living with, and we lived in on a cabin out in the woods in Flagstaff, Arizona. They said, you're not going to smoke a joint? I said, you know what? I don't want to come down. I said, I'm too high to smoke a joint. Now, I know that that, that throws churchy people. But you think about on the day of Pentecost, they said they're drunk. And what he says is, we're not drunk like you think. He didn't deny it. We're drunk. But we're drunk in the presence of Almighty God. And this is a high that no man can buy. Amen. Can, we need to figure out. I'll get with, I'll get with Luke and Wanderson and, 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 and the, Katie and Nancy and everybody. We'll figure out. We need to figure out a time that... If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you can come forward and get the Holy Spirit. Or if you need a refilling. But let me say, don't ever be ashamed of saying, God, I surrender. 
because what an awesome God we serve. Do you receive that today? Even though I went 25 minutes over, amen. Now, I really believe, I really believe that we're heading for something supernatural. I really believe it. I, re- I believe it. I believe it a thousand percent. Next Sunday, Jim is going to be here. He led the whole worship scene for Benny when the presence of God. And so I've asked him to come in and teach me. How do you prepare for that presence? So he's going to work with our worship team, which are, is the best there is. But, but, but there's... And he's going to sit with me because when that presence is there, when that presence is there, healings and miracles and deliverance will take place. And God will confirm that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Do you receive that?